the seeing is seeing has been sort of bastardized because it's taken a, a like a hijacked version of seeing which is looking which is based on the looker so seeing which has no objective uh, thingness to it yeah, which is all its its body or its flesh and blood is seeing yeah, there's no seer that's seeing there's just seeing but the seeing gets interpreted by the mental process as a looker looking so the scene gets claimed by the selfing and is now thrown into the uh, position of looking that's occurring from the looker. So the looker now is the doer of the looking, which is the ignorance or the disease of mind here. The disease of mind is that it's identified as something that it's not. So it's identified as the looker. And so now seeing, which is always available here, in its verb nature, which is your in conscious contact. That's this conscious contact. So seeing is is uh, verbing in five or six different ways. It's hearing, feeling, tasting, touching, smelling, and then witnessing thoughts. So there's seeing and it's verbing in six different ways. In those six different ways, that's conscious contact here. You wouldn't have contact there wouldn't be a world for you unless you could think about it, see it, feel it, taste it, touch it, smell it. Yes. This, this is not a world unless there's a perceiver of the world. So there is no solid, real thing. The sense of you being a solid, real thing gives it the sense of being a solid, real thing. Yeah? So the world is as real as you and I are. If you're real, the world's real. If you're not real, the world's not real. It doesn't mean what you would think when it, you say the world's not real from being a self. That's not what it means. It means it's not real. And you discover what it's like to travel as that world being not real. Yeah. It's like a, an illusion or a mirage. The mirage, you believe there's water there. But let's say you believe there's reality in it. Or a substance or inherent entityness, yeah, Or self-existence. And then you find, you get to the mirage and there's no water. There's no existence in self. There's no separate, long-lasting, independent reality to that. And yet it still appears as the mirage. The appearance is empty of reality, but it's still appearing. Because in a sense, the mind is dreaming. So the mind is dreaming, yes, and that dream is defined by a certain amount of rules, like space and time and duality and subject and object, yes? All of these things are the way the dream is manifested. The mind dreams it, and that's how it happens, in a sense, in the dreaming of it. Yeah. This is a dreamt object, this. Yeah. It has sentience, there's consciousness in it, and so it has become conscious of its onness, and, it, and the mind has said, I'm the thing that's on. Yeah. This means all is what's so. So here's consciousness, which is prior to all appearances. And let's just say this is an appearance. Yeah. So consciousness is prior to what you call you and me. And consciousness is flooding through what you call you and me, almost like light going through a camera. And it's having an experience in five and six different modalities. 
seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching, and, and witnessing thoughts. Yeah? It's having an experience through that. Yeah? But the mental process, which is in and of the body, yeah, has claimed the consciousness and now has put itself as the one who's conscious. So life isn't seen as life is happening, it's seen as life is happening through me, and, or to me, or for me, or by, or by me. So the view of self-centeredness arises, and its main movement is the claim. Yeah? So conscious contact is noted, but now it says, I'm the one that's in conscious contact. And the I is the conceptual construct of this, body and mental and emotional and physical and all this stuff. Yes? All these quote-unquote bodies now become who I am, and this is what's conscious. But in fact, consciousness is prior to this, never to be preceded by an object. Yeah? So pure subjectivity is never going to be preceded by an object. So here you go, this is what's happening. But the mental process, the interpretation of this is, this is what's happening. Paul is conscious. Now, as soon as consciousness is put into an, an attribute of you, then the rules of duality set in place, which is, you can be unconscious, or you can be conscious. Yes? There's not a, re a remembrance of all there is as consciousness, there is now an experience in this dream that you are really conscious certain days when you do certain things, and then you're unconscious other days when you don't do certain things, let's say. Or if you do some quote-unquote bad things. So the conscious state of your body, uh, this apparatus is now determined by conditions and circumstances. Yeah. So in a sense, the mental process starts playing God. It tells you how you're doing. <laughs> it tells you, oh, you went on this month-long retreat, so now you're really conscious. And then you go to work the next day, and you get a resentment seemingly, and now all that consciousness is wiped out by the one act of being unconscious. Yeah. This is the act of conditional mind playing God here. Yeah. So, you're now, your state, your true state of consciousness is determined by you. Yeah. The actions and the circumstances and the things you omit and commit are now what cause you to be conscious or unconscious. This is total insanity. <laughs> All there is, is consciousness. While you're super credibly terrible, they're seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching, and witnessing thoughts. When you're unbelievably, illuminatedly great, blissful, they're seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching, witnessing thoughts. The consciousness doesn't change one lick, no matter what, how much you change. Yeah? No matter how much you flower or how you uh, erode, it doesn't matter. Consciousness is all there is, but not to you. Consciousness to you is the state that you get yourself in or out of by doing something or not doing something. So you, in a sense, play God with what some people would call God, which is consciousness. So you actually, your mind plays God with it and says, I'm going to tell myself when I feel good, and I'm going to tell myself when I'm doing great, and I'm going to inform myself when I'm not doing great. And my, my conscious state will be determined on what I do or don't do. It's not a natural state, it's a totally unnatural state. 
that can be manipulated and maneuvered and controlled by my actions. And maybe if I find someone who's even clearer than me, they'll help me control. So by me listening to them, I'll improve my consciousness. And what happens then if you believe you did something and had something to attain something? On the other side of that same coin, you believe that you can do something and have something to lose it. So what peace now becomes a commodity based on you, instead of a state that's available at all times with no requirement necessary to entertain it. It now becomes something that can only be entertained based on you doing or not doing something. So I would say that is the largest form of playing God you can imagine here. And if you've ever been in recovery or are in recovery, the whole how and why of recovery is to quit playing God. Read the book. Check it out. The how and why of a program. If you hear the how and why of a program, that's a comprehensive take of a program. The how and why of it. I mean, it pretty much includes everything. And so the biggest thing is to quit playing God. Why does it work? Well, what is playing God? Check it out. You're playing God concerning your own nature. Yeah, which is not of this place. So how could this place manipulate what is not of this place? How could an illusion ever get good enough to recognize the, appear- the reality? It's impossible. All it is that can happen here is you can exhaust the systems of trying to know and trying to get, and maybe in that exhausting the selfing and the seeking, there'll be a moment where you'll realize I needed to do nothing. It'll just dawn on you, and that's the, that echoes through all the practices. That's the final culmination of anything that's worth its salt here, is I need do nothing. Why not start there? <laughs> Who are you buying off by all the doing? The God of your mind's making. It's going to give you permission. I'm telling you, if the greatest authority in your life, let's say, quote-unquote, spiritual authority in your life showed up right now, let's say, I don't want to use any, whatever, some very, very important person that you have this whole story that, oh, I totally have faith in this person. And they came here and they said, oh, listen, Paul, you know, there's nothing you ever needed to do, there's nothing you need to do now, and there'll never be anything you need to do. You're totally, inherently okay. And this sense of, permission would rush over me because here's the authority of all authorities to my head, to my head, saying it's okay. So I get this giant rush of relief, you know, maybe it'll last an hour or two, four hours. But then I'd go home and then the real authority would start chiming in. Well, I still think I've got to meditate. (laughs) So this bogus authority on the outside is nothing compared to the authority up here. All gods are minor gods to this god of self. So in recovery they say, you know, please turn my will, my life over the care of a higher power of my own understanding. Hopefully over time you'll realize I do not want to have a relationship with a power greater than me of my own understanding. I want to know, I want to know it of its own understanding, which is more revelatory. Yeah? It's not like you get a package and you open it up and oh, now I've got uh, this understanding of God and this gets me parking spaces and maybe a girlfriend and if I get to do really a lot of service I'll get a good job. No, it's sort of like you get nothing and that nothing blossoms as you're living it. Yeah. 
And so the revelation isn't contrived or conceptualized by the selfing, which is going to put God in a very small frame. I mean, literally, you're always going to be the bigger God than any God would attain. <laughs> but this is sort of like, oh, maybe I'm not that. And that, that sense of suspension opens up to the possibility of what you may be, which will be revelatory. Because everything that comes in, you don't get tons of information. All of it does is distills into, I'm not that. Whatever is appearing, whatever is arising, whatever is stating it's me, I am not. I can never say what I am because I am that. You're so, you are so that, you can't, there can't be a step out of that to say, I'm that. You're so that, you cannot step out of it and go, oh, I'm that. And there's no pointing to anything else. There's just a seeing. Yeah. And so what happens when you see? You see. What do you see? You see things arising constantly. You see mental states arising. And then you see mental states are framed by other mental states. And then you see that the prior, the most prior mental state is called self-centeredness. Yeah? And that self-centeredness is where the true addiction of all minds lie. They're addicted to the idea of being a self. That produces a lot of irritability, restlessness, and discontent. And then there's seeking for solutions, which turn into addictions. Like drinking, and taking pills, and drugs, and sex, and shopping, and that and that. So the addiction to selfing produces solutions. The mind, in this failed system of knowing, comes up with a solution. Like for me, I had alcoholism since I was young. My first solution to it was alcohol. When I drank, I got a little relief from alcoholism. Yet, it, was in, it, it wasn't like this was an antidote to that. This was still that. The alcohol was part of the alcoholism. The solution was part of the problem because of the system it was being held in. It was being held in self-centeredness, so every solution in self-centeredness is part of the problem. So my solution to alcoholism was alcohol. That became a huge problem. So then I started getting loaded on drugs. That, that, salute, that solved the problem of pissing in my pants and drooling and making ass of myself early. I could face some women into going home with me when I was on coke. So then that produced its own problems. Yeah? And then there was solutions and then problems. On and on and on and on and on. So no one's no one no one brings it back to the true addiction, which is into selfing. Yeah? The mind is addicted to selfing, yeah? and it's producing all the other needs to be addicted to other things to get relief from that. How about looking at that? So here's and every frame produces mental states. Every frame of mind produces mental states. Most of your day is experiencing mental states. And the mental states are frames, and then the states that appear in them, defined by the frame, and then that is framed, and that is framed, and then you get to the largest frame, which is called self-centeredness. Yes? The sense of, the sense of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. The sense of an object taking itself to be the subject. That mental frame encapsulates all the other mental frames. And they produce, every frame produces mental states that you call your experiences. And each frame produces a need to get relief from the mental states of that frame, 
And so that produces the next frame, or the next addiction, and that produces the next frame, which is, let's say, a program, and that produces the next frame, and the mind just selfs through each frame. Yeah? So everything is held as you as the God, who is going to get relief from the ailments that another God called the world is forcing upon him. But listen, I'll tell you, when I was young, when I was six years old, my father got ill. And, my, and uh, he just stopped playing with me. So from then on, my mother took me to my tryouts and everything like that. My father never went to any baseball games when I was younger. And like that. And I'm sure my family got me to get, got together with me and told me, you know, your father is really ill. That's why he's not going to be hanging out with you as much as he used to. Yeah. And maybe they even brought the doctor and they said, Dr. Jack Quinto said, hey, yes, your dad's really ill, Paul. He can't play with you as much as he used to. But it didn't matter how many facts or how many people came and told me. The way my mind saw it in its mental frame was because of self-centeredness, I must have done something for my father not to want to play with me. Yeah? No matter how many ways it was polished, that was the, over, that was the overriding echo in there. I did something to cause this. This is one of the basis of self-centeredness, yeah? So let's say here, you're at this meeting, or not, hopefully not this meeting, let's say you go to a meeting where they're talking about all there is is love, and the eternal oneness, and everything is blissful, and just love and compassion for each other, but your experience as you travel each day is not really like that, yeah? So let's say, okay, you believe this stuff, when they're talking about all there is is love, and everything like that, but then, it's not translating in a sense. Here, you feel like you hate a lot of people, it sucks, you know, fuck this. Yeah. What? And so, for this, yeah, to be this, you had something to do with it, in self-centeredness. <laughs> I mean, there is no escaping this distorted responsibility of self-centeredness. If you have heard this, how oh, everything can be loved and blissful, and Love thy neighbor as the self, but your traveling here is not of that sort. You better believe at the bottom line of your mental framing that you had something to do with this looking like this. Yes? In Course in Miracles, they call it the initial guilt. The guilt of separation. Because you're experiencing separation as real, and being self-centered is you believe you had something to do with separation coming to pass. Yes, you do entertain the idea that all there is is love and all there was was God, but that's not what's happening now. And as you know, in any situation you ever find yourself in, you usually see how it pertains to you. You have something to do with it. Yeah? Well, on this giant level, you have something to do with it. You have heaven looking like hell. Yes? Now, I don't feel you're going to travel too lightly with that onus on your shoulder. <laughs> I actually believe most of your activity here will be trying to dump it out on others and other things and try to get rid of it. But it never works. And so that, in some senses, they call that the iron ball or the, the contraction of self. Yeah? The contraction of self is like supreme guilt. Guilt for being the cause of separation. And I'm telling you, if you're obsessed in self-centeredness, it's going to root you right there. No matter how many times you blame others, that's just a way of trying to get it off you. Because inherently, it always goes back to you. <laughs> Thank God it's not so. 
That's the only solution. <laughs> if you take this place to be real, how can you even sleep at night? How can you enjoy your one-bedroom apartment when other people are starving in the fucking sixth of the market? You'd have to sort of distract and disassociate, wouldn't you? It's unbearable to think you have something to do with this place. But you're inevitably going to believe you have something to do with it if you're in selfing. Because the whole center, the whole system of selfing is centered on self. So what's ever going on in this appearance of selfing, it's got something to do with you. Deep down, bottom line, you are at fault. Try to find some relief in that. <laughs> what do you think is so driven by seeking constantly? Because it's unbearable to land in that state of responsibility for separation. The only solution is there isn't separation. That's the hallelujah. How can you ever change separation into non-separation? The fact is you don't have to. It's a recognition. It's never been separation. All there is is mind, mind dreaming. You're the dreamer of this dream. But you and I have forgotten we've dreamt it. And we've given everything we've dreamt all the power to affect us. Yeah. So we're getting buffeted by our own little dream objects. <laughs> we're like in a giant bumper car thing of dreamed objects. And we're taking ourselves to be the subject. Yeah. So everyone sitting here thinks, I, 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 I. I'm a you to your eye, you're a you to my eye. But the one thing in common is I. All there is is I. There's tons of U's we point at, but every pointing to a U is an I pointing. <laughs> yes? The I never really holds itself as a U. It says I, I, all the U's, tons of pointing at U's, but every pointing is directly <coughs> from I. Not selfing, but from I. From the consciousness, the awareness that is conceiving this whole fucking place. So I'm not looking relief for relief for self anymore. That's the business of this world. You know, I found relief from self. A whole different way of going about things. When you realize the best way to get out of any problem is to realize it's imaginary. Because then, just like when you realize what's not happening is what is not happening, what more do you need to do? When you see a mental state appearing in the frame that you're identified as, then the mental state is about what's not happening, which is a common mental state in selfing, yes? Most of the time, the mind is occupied with thoughts about what's not happening, either the past or the future, yes? So here you go. You're in that, it's producing physical effects. So the mental state produces a physical effect. You're feeling anxious and you're bugged out and you don't feel good and you're not going to get up and everything like that because your head's forecasting it's not going to be too good today. Yeah. It's already made today into what's not happening. It wants to give you a compressed file about today. It's going to suck. When the day actually gets presented moment to moment to moment to moment. Yeah. The mind doesn't like that. It just wants to compress it. Oh, Monday sucks. One? No, it always sucks. Okay, there we go. So there. So you're in what's not happening, seemingly. What would be the only solution that holds water to what's not happening? It's just a simple recognition it's not happening. Once it's recognized it's not happening, what more do you need to do? What's the next thing that's called upon to do? Nothing. That's the beautifulness of it. 
you're left with fucking nothing again. My head's concerned about a hernia operation that I'm not having today. Yeah, let's say. Let's worry about what they're going to tell me on Tuesday, which is, what, four days in linear time away. It's easy to recognize. Hey, I'm sitting here, and let's say it's causing a little constriction in my stomach because my mind thinks something bad's going to happen in the hernia operation. So it creates or makes the feeling of that badness now <laughs> by entertaining what's not happening. Do I want to take some medicine for this thing? Or just realize, hey, what's causing this is not happening. Usually, then my stomach will relax. I won't have to take a pill to make it relax because why is taking a pill responding, reacting to what's not happening? That's a compounding of what's not happening. Yes? Because now you're entertaining a solution to what's not happening. Yeah? When the only solution to what's not happening is it's not happening. <laughs> Taking a pill as a solution to what's not happening is going to produce some more what's not happening. Maybe an addiction to the pills. Because the only way I can be okay now is to take a pill concerning what's not happening. <laughs> It's insane. How about it's not happening? And then you want to, you really dying to tell your story about what's not happening. But if someone really cares about you, they'll shut you up. It's fucking not happening. And you tell, you'll probably want to call someone else who agrees. They like to barter in what's not happening. It's great. You feel an identification as what you're not with someone. Oh, yes. Let me tell you about my what's not happening. And there's an agreement. All right. Now you can dump on me what's not happening. But someone who says, hey, it's just not happening. You know, the mind went, but it wants to self, you know? Just cut it at its knees. It's not happening. Okay. It's not happening. What happens when you recognize what's not happening? What's happening? What's the bottom line of what's happening? Conscious. You're conscious. Yeah. So your interest and attention leaves all of the fuel and the food and, and the building blocks of what's not happening, which is the thought realm, and you start entertaining just being here. Yeah. The seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching, and smelling, and witnessing thoughts that comprise <coughs> a moment of what we call conscious contact. You're just rooted in that. What occurs is, then that foreground, all the mental obsessions about what's not happening in all the thinking realms get moved back and a new frame is put on that's actually more powerful than the frame of self-centeredness, which is the biggest one in this little gallery of mental states. You put the frame of conscious contact. So now, finally, how, you, how the seeing is going on is the blocks have been put in the right location. You, that thought, was, that thought it was conscious, is now in front of what's conscious. Yeah. So consciousness is streaming through this, not this is conscious. Yeah. And then things, blue starts being seen as blue, red starts being seen as red. Things get obvious, yeah. because clarity ensues. The clarity that's always available at all times. You've taken off the pair of self-centered glasses, and maybe for a little while you need other glasses to just to correct those distortions and you're used to having glasses. But one day, hopefully, if the other glasses are worth their salt, they'll lead you to take them off and you'll naturally see it. You'll just see. And that's that. 
to me, it has much more of an impact than 800 pages of scriptures, you know, singing, or all the hundreds of photos of dead, quote-unquote, masters, singing. It's right underneath our nose. That's why we don't recognize it, because it's not given any importance. It really isn't. Most of your day is spent on thinking about what's not happening, you know? And then having the effects of your your mental idea of what it would be like when it happens. So you have a mental experience being downloaded into a physical body. And so mental and physical realms are dominating. And then let's say the quote-unquote spiritual realm is totally unnoticed. And then any time you entertain a spiritual experience, you entertain it in the mental and physical realm. You don't entertain that there is no mental and physical realm, and that's the spiritual experience, you entertain, let me find some spirit in the mental and physical realm. And let me, you know, acquire some and graft some onto my mental and physical state, with the hopes that that will give me some relief in the mental and physical state, which it will. But it's not the spiritual state. It's a contrived, distorted idea of spiritual state in the mental and physical realm. This is recognizing what's underneath, above, below, and permeating every mental and physical experience realms is spirit. All there is is spirit. Spirit is the context that's allowing the physical and mental to appear to be real. Yeah? Without the spirit, there would be noting or acknowledging or cognizing anything. Yeah? So I would say this is the mother and father of all. But you can't, I don't believe, you can access it as a physical, mental thing. You have to entertain a not a physical, mental thing, and that's its access. Yeah? No thingness is met as no thingness, not as a thing. You'll never meet no thingness as a thing. It's impossible. The, what makes you seemingly a thing is the deterrent to knowing no thingness. It's really the absence of you as this, that's the presence of no-thingness. The absence of you as this is the presence of no-thingness. When you have forgotten yourself, which comprises this feeling of being Paul and all the old ideas, is when you, quote-unquote, feel the best here. That's what people are constantly seeking for in peak experiences. They want to experience them not being there. Just like I was watching the surfer yesterday, Rob Machado, really cool dude, and he's talking about the lake, he says, well, what about, what is that experience? He says, well, he says, are you, when you're riding a wave, is it the technical aspects, or are you just getting into it totally? He says, well, the technical aspects just set up the platform for you to entertain that, but it's all about that, where you're not there. Yeah? So, but why, there's, that's a nice free sample, but you don't need an event to bring that to light. You are that light of not there I'm the I am the not thereness. Yeah? I am the absence of selfing. Yeah? I'm not being imposed on by the obsession with selfing. I am the absence of selfing. I am the absence of that. And abs- and actually the true nature of selfing is that it's absent. It doesn't exist. It's not real. So by its absence you know it. Yeah? You know by its absence. That's why I love this message, because it changed the direction of my interest and attention. When I heard it, it was like an unspoken yes, and to this day, it was the last answer I ever heard. That was it. That one.
all the little cans got kicked. It was just like, and then my mind's just been looking that way ever since. And it's it's infinitely entertaining looking that way. It gets very bored looking this way. I mean, it's, it's, you know, all you're doing is the same old, same old, aren't you? I mean, self-centeredness maybe provides six possibilities. Never that you're okay, but you will be okay if you do this and get that and do this, or you will be safe if you meet the right one, or you will. It's always it's always has duration and and uh, space to to cover for you to get it. So it's always based on you as the doer acquiring these qualities that you so sorely need when you are the source of those qualities. <laughs> Just as you're not. You're not the source of those qualities as this. But you are the source of those qualities as the absence of this. Yeah? So nice to me. I'm not looking for who I am. I'm just seeing what I'm not. That's all it is. To me, that's the activity of being what I am, is in seeing what I'm not. I'm not a mental state. I'm not a physical state. I'm not a worldly state. Jesus says, I'm in this place, but I'm not of it. So I'm not of this place. I'm not of this material of appearance. I'm not of this appearance of mind stuff, but I am that mind. That's dreaming. Produces a great relaxation. I mean, you could get 12 massages today as a self and you'll never get close to the relaxation of absence of self. Never. Never. I mean, it's all contrived because you have an inner ball. You're just contracted. Your whole mental and physical state's contracted by this entertaining selfing. <laughs> you can work it and try to release it. And when it releases it, it also believes in time. So if it releases, it thinks it can unrelease. Yeah, so you get a free sample, but then you seem to lose it, don't you? Because time. So you have it now, but it seems fleeting because I won't have it later. But the timeless state, that, that's not going on in the timeless state. And your entrance into it, because there's no entrance into it, it's like the gateless gate, or it's like trying to enter everywhere, you're already there. <laughs> it's, it's so obvious after a while, there's nothing that can keep you from it. How can an appearance lock the door to reality? It's impossible, right? The door is just an appearance. There is no door. Right? You're right squatting it right now. So I had this really interesting experience. You did. I see it all over you. you know, the boss comes up to job to me and says, well, you're really a loving person. And uh, I didn't think anything of it. And then I saw all these loving actions coming out of me, you know, towards other people. And then the thought that it come, oh, I'm a loving person. No, life itself is loving, and it expresses through me, and I can't take credit for it. That's right. Well, you can try to take credit for it, but, um, yeah. Yeah, you'll be, well, the thing is, you'll always be surprised. The mind will always be surprised by the revelation of living through you, because it's not the way it thought. Yep. It has a difficult time fitting it into the self-centered frame. Prizes, there's a presence, yes. The 
It's a presence by your absence. And there's nothing you can do to cause your absence. It's inherently so. <laughs> so that's the good news. Yeah? It says for entertaining the absence that's already so. It's not difficult. It's sort of like you know, when you talk about acceptance. Let's say if I, the act of acceptance in this room would be not to want to change anything in the room. How easy is that? <laughs> I don't want someone who's not here to be here. I don't want someone who's here not to be here. It's basically acceptance is just as it is. Well, the same thing. There's no need. You're not going to produce your absence. It's a fact. As an inherent, separate, long-lasting, independent entity, you are not. That's the good news. It's not like, oh, you are a long-lasting, independent, separate entity independent entity, and that's what's causing you the trouble. So you now, as a separate, long-lasting, independent entity, you have to do and have yourself out of that separate, long-lasting, independentness and become an unindependent, not separate, you know, non-entity. <laughs> that would be impossible. The point is, you're not the first thing, yeah? You're not a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. That's the solution. It's just like what's not happening. What do you need to do when you recognize what's not happening is not happening? Nothing. What do you need to do when you recognize you are truly an absence? Nothing. Of course, tons of things are going to happen through, but you do nothing. Yeah? That's the good, damn good news. That's the relaxation that can't be captured here in selfing. There's no fucking way you can be as relaxed as doing nothing. Because everything, doing nothing here as a self is doing something. Yeah? It's all doing because there's a sense of being a doer. It's the dropping of the doer, that's the relaxation. Tons of doing occurs, but there's no pressure of being the doer of it. Because as a doer, you have a lot of opinions about what you do and don't do, don't you? Instead of just recognizing the doing, you have tons of opinions that arise when there's a feeling that I'm the doer of it. You've got judgments and opinions and ideas. Yeah? And I'm telling you, as of you, you're never going to be enough for the mind. You're always going to be cast into the urban renewal project. No matter how many times have you arrived, how many times have you seemingly jumped through all the hoops it said you needed to jump through, and then it was going to give you a big break, has it? That scrutiny of obsession with self is unending. It's like being in an interrogation for 40 years. You've been under the light of self-consciousness so fucking long. You're fried. You're ready to confess to anything. <laughs> you claim responsibility for fucking up everyone's lives. Yeah. Okay, I admit it. I thought badly of her. <laughs> the best way I found, seriously, in, in hindsight, was... When I realized I wasn't this, this got to be all it is. It got to be exactly okay as it is because it isn't me. The poor, the poor in this realm of objects, the poor state of an object when the mind thinks it's the subject, it's unfucking bearable. You are going to get ripped up badly. This poor object, you won't even be able to shit when you want to without tons of thoughts about it. You won't be able to just say something to someone you think you like because of all the things that could happen to you if I do and they don't take me to say, yeah? 
Remember all those spontaneous things you did when you were a kid and now there's something possible to do? There's always thinking surrounding everything. Yeah. Before you jump in the water, you think about it. Before you, you're thinking, 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 thinking. Yeah. You're doing any one twentieth about that to someone else? No. It's always about you. Yeah. You'll be totally compassionate for someone else, but you'll be holding yourself up on the crucifix because you're more important than they. You know better. You should be perfect. Can you believe that you're going to ever get a break with that tyranny overlooking you? I found the greatest way for this to be okay is for it not to be me. <laughs> I swear. I found almost instant acceptance from some of the qualities that the body has when I realized they weren't mine. When they were mine, they had to be improved. They had to be hidden some. I couldn't, you know, express some. But then I was always a tons of opinions. It's the father for all obsession with self as this being the self. So you realize you're not that, and then it finally gets to be okay. Now it likes to jump in cold water with wetsuits on. Hallelujah! You know? Does that mean I'm a surfer? No! It likes doing this. It likes apple pie or whatever. It likes horror movies. So what do you think? I shouldn't. I'm a spiritual person. I should fuck that. I like horror movies. It, just gets, it all gets really simple because it's not fucking that important. It's not you. You know how well you do when that sense of you is off you? You know how much self-importance is destroying your enjoyment of living? They'll promise you if you get something, but then as soon as you get it, it finds fault in it, and then moves to the next thing to get that's going to be better. It's unending. And its whole hook on you is you're identified as the object that's obsessing over. I swear, if you can see you're not this, it gets relieved of that duty of thinking about it all day. It really does, yes? It's sort of like a giant cloud that you've taken to be the sky moves. This giant weather front that, because it's been there for so long, you've just taken it to be a natural, objective thing. This is, this, that's the sky. Actually moves, and some light comes in. And you realize it's by my absence that the sense of presence gets to go on. Undistorted in a way, yes. And the best solution here is you're just not fucking satisfied. If you're satisfied, a lot of your behavior will shift dramatically. You're just not happy under that tyranny. And you won't be. Those days of when you were a kid are over. Because now when you're playing, you can think that I may not be playing next week. Or, I don't like Wayne Griffith. He's an asshole. I mean, my best friend, as soon as I... He was my best friend until first grade. And then I went to Catholic school. And I started hanging out with all these other kids. They don't look down on him as, oh, that guy's an asshole. So I never played with him again. But I, when I was playing for three years, he wasn't an asshole. He's my best friend. But then, as soon as I got other opinions, my mind entertained options. Well, Wayne Griffith, you know, separation more and more, everything apart from, yeah? Thinking now took the place of living. Reacting took the place of responding, yeah? And then stories had to be written for the lack of that wonder and awe blame it on someone or make it into something. When I get that, then I'll feel like I used to. Do you? No. All insanity. There's a solution. You're not that. You don't like it? Fuck you. <laughs> really. 
Sleepful is down. Because that's what's going to happen. You're going to be fucked. Really. I mean, most people I speak to, really, they're not going to go on a 10-day retreat. They're not. They're not going to go to Himalayas. Some of them, in their head, all they're looking for is permission not to do what they don't want to do. So maybe they find a bogus authority such as me, and then maybe they'll get a mental permission not to do what they don't want to do anyway. I'm telling you, there's no need to do freaking anything. Literally. Not a pseudo-mental, oh, there's no need to do anything. Literally, there's no need to do anything. Anything you do, in a sense, is part and parcel of the system that you've been enslaved to. sense now, eh? Do you need to, is there anything you needed to do to have that sense available? All you needed is to hear a message. Yeah. Just a very, very crude indication of pointing in just a strange direction of everywhereness, and something gets loud, doesn't it? A sense of energy starts vibrating. I sense some, a sound that's deafening. Yeah? A presence of consciousness. It doesn't get any better than that. That's it. Questions? No? here is you try to get out for a long time maybe of something that you could not possibly be in and you get exhausted. The mind gets fucking burnt out and in that moment the seeking stops and then what was always there becomes obvious. And then maybe you think it had to do with all the seeking brought you to that point but that point was never, you were never brought to it. It was always there. Yeah? In your subjective dream that's sort of what it had to happen. But that doesn't mean that has to happen, be available at this moment. Yeah? 
I mean, in the Course in Miracles, they had this beautiful area. I haven't read the book in a long time. But they talked about people who meditate. And they said, you know, the mind that's prior to that is inherently awake. So if it wants to play itself out in this dream, that it's going to meditate itself out of the dream, it will. But it may take a long, long time. And a lot of bad knees, maybe, and sitting on your asses and terrible little rooms in Thailand, wherever you're going to meditate, whatever. And then there's people who contemplate. And because it's the mind that's entertaining, it, it's inevitably going to succeed because the mind is all there is. Yeah? So, but it may take a lot of work and time, too. And there are ways just to speed up the time. So, and they said everything that's worth its salt will bring you to that point of realization, which is, I need do nothing. Why not start there? Let's jump in head of the line and run right to the end of 12 years of school instead of go through first to 12. Let's go to 12th grade. Why not? <laughs> That's what happened when I got kicked out of school. I took a, G, a GS, uh, GED, general education diploma. See, I, in a way, I saved two years of school and went to college. Because <laughs> I entertained the possibility, hey, I don't have to finish school. I can take this test and go, oh, you know, why not uh, to me, I like the idea of I need to do nothing. And then see what your mind does with it. And after it tries to grab it and make it into something, this and that. If nothing is real, and nothing is real, then something can't make anything out of it. It'll stay unreal. It will stay what, to something is unreal, that's its nature here. To here it appears to be unreal, nothing. But nothing is real. Yeah? Nothing is real. And so when something keeps trying to make nothing into something, it will fail, and then the nothing will override the something, and there will be a recognition, I need do nothing, not I need do something. <laughs> yeah. That's the recognition most of us have. I need do something about this. No, I need do nothing. Yeah. It's like this lady called me from uh, someplace, and so she talked to me for about 15 minutes, and it was at the end she distilled the whole situation into this. She says... Something is happening to me that I think could be different. This is the basic operating, operating uh, program in something. Something's happening to me, and I think it could be different. It doesn't mean I'm taking action. I think it could be different. And then the mind just thinks all the thousands of ways it could be different, but it doesn't change the fact of what's happening. Yes? So the direction is given to life. I think something's happening to me. As, and this is me, yes? And from that direction, the next direction in the mental state is, and I think it could be different. So, total non-acceptance, and then the reaction to that non-acceptance, the seeking to change something, without actually doing anything, just thinking. Yes? Everything basically is boiled down to that. Anything that's going on with you, if you could bring it down, you probably could bring it down to, I think something's happening to me. No, something's happening to me, and I think it could be different. <laughs> that's like the gateway into hell <laughs> what are you going to do the mind's going to apply what a failed system called thinking to it you go home what happens when you have a problem you go home and think about it you come out with ten more problems <laughs> fuck it's unbelievable there's a solution <laughs>